0: I'm,
1: I'm, 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 Welcome to Unforbidden I'm Truth, I'm Andrew. Happy Halloween. Today I'll we'll be speaking with the author of The Shawcross Litter, My Journey Into the Mind of Evil, John Fay. He's a pretty interesting character. He's been on the Dr. Phil show with a previous guest I've had on the show multiple times, Maggie Demi, the daughter of Arthur Shawcross. John has both suicidal and homicidal fantasies, which he's been very open about over the years. I speak to John about his relationship with Arthur Shawcross, and John talks about his murderous and cannibalistic fantasies. Here's my interview with John Fay.
0: Uh, known as John Paul Fay, uh, the author of the Shawcross letters, my uh, journey into the mind of evil, which is about my uh, relationship with uh, late serial killer slash cannibal, from upstate New York, Arthur, John Shawcross, and uh, you know, overall I'm a writer, but I have a, a what's been known as a, a first-hand understanding of, say, the uh, serial killer mindset and uh, deviant mindsets in general, basically. And and I'm from and in now uh, Boston, East Boston specifically. Uh, yeah.
1: So how would you describe your childhood growing up? Would you say you had a pretty good childhood? Or- well,
0: basically, it, w- it was all traumatic. I mean, it was all bad. None, none of it was really especially uh, good um, as far as my parents were concerned. I mean, they were both... Uh, Non caring, and uh, and my father was basically a typical uh, psychopath, I guess you say. So, uh, you know, high, highly, uh, highly abusive, uh, physically and uh, emotionally. Uh, so, it's uh, you know, my aunt and uncle who are kind of my saving grace and kind of, kind of balance that in a way, not exactly because they were crazy in their own way and uh, were a little too accommodating. Certain things I, I, I was looking for, or wanted that. Be considered illicit, certainly, for children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'd say overall it was a way off balance childhood. Yeah.
1: Do you Do you remember any type of incidences that you know happened when it came to abuse when you were younger? Like any specific incidents?
0: Yeah. Yeah. When um, my cousin had uh, she, this was a totally obviously ridiculous thing, but she had eaten the last of some ice cream thing in the fridge that my father had wanted. He was drinking all the time, and so he obviously wasn't in his right mind, so I got blamed for it, basically, and, you know, kind of came into my room, this was when I was like six, or seven years old, and, you know, beat me so badly that I, I had bled onto the bed and stained the bed, I said, and my mother just stood by watching that, but I, I slept in that same blood-stained mattress for many, many years in my late teens, anyway, at least, and, you know, and uh, so that's why that, that one uh, sticks out to me. Uh, there, there were a lot of things like along those lines.
1: Was there ever anything that was, like, um, dehabilitating? Like, where you ended up in the hospital or anything like that?
0: Uh, let me think. As far as the hospital... No, I mean... Uh, well, my, my cousin shot me with a uh, a hunting arrow, one of my uncle's uh, hunting arrows, one of the ones you'd kill a deer with one time in the back of the neck. Thankfully, he didn't have the, the bow pulled all the way back or it went straight through, but it did stick into my neck. And I had to go stitches for that, but I mean that that's uh you know so like I say, they're all basically demented in my family I, I, yeah, so that was my cousin though, but nothing from uh, my father or his,
1: uh, old mother do you know if your do you know if your mother or father have any like uh diagnosed uh mental illnesses
0: uh, I think my father was diagnosed as uh schizophrenic many many years ago back in the eighties, and uh alcoholic and uh, just uh I, I, like I say, definitely, uh, definitely a, at least a psychopath. At least, I mean, I think his alcoholism really uh, uh, attributed. A lot
1: did he ever of, do any type of like jail or prison for anything?
0: Did did he, my father? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just briefly for, um, uh, you know, my mother was divorcing him, and uh, so I guess whatever she told uh, the police, I don't know, he was. In jail for a little bit but they let him out in a relatively brief amount of time so uh yeah he he was uh he was in jail but it was no not a conviction i mean he was arrested and put in jail for a little while but nothing uh,
1: so did did you have any type of strange thoughts or hear any voices uh prior to your adult years you know when you were a juvenile
0: Mm, strange thoughts uh yeah but um no voices but things like uh well, uh, imagining, and, and this was at a very young age, too. I don't even know where this stuff would come from at, uh, like, five, 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 six, seven years old, uh, imagining women, uh, you know, dominating me and having me tied down and things like that. I didn't carry that into my adulthood on a really conscious level, but when I was a kid, I was imagining these things. I where I don't know where those thoughts came from, but they, they were there at an extremely young age, and I, I remember things uh, like that, and uh, you know. And, and, and then I, I, one of the things I had wanted to do too at an early age was tie my cousin Michelle up, and uh, while she was sleeping. That that was a thought that occurred to me as a child uh, when she used to sleep over. Um, Ted Bundy, I heard, did something similar with with her cousin, but he put knives around her and things like that. But I wanted to put like tape over her eyes. And it was a joke, kind of a joke in my mind at the time. Uh, I guess my idea of uh, humor. Humor. But uh, yeah, so that that's something that that. Uh, I, I remember as I'm sitting here talking to you now.
1: So was it just the, like st- was it just like strictly thoughts of like a woman dominating you with bondage, or was it anything beyond that like killing or raping, or d- did that come like later on in life? The killing,
0: didn't, the killing stuff didn't come until uh, my teens, and I was going to get into that. But uh, yeah, at, at, at like both, uh, in my single digits, it was just uh, mostly thinking of the domination idea. Uh,
1: so tell me about the the fantasies and delusions as a teenage as a teenage boy when those started. Like what the symptoms were. What uh, even if it was as something as mild as just having one fantasy of this and you know fantasies of this every single day.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess uh, they first started to come to me when I was. Uh, that I remember that I remember in a, in a really uh, uh, spectacular manner. I was fifteen, and. uh just the idea of, uh, uh, say, hunting down women and uh, you know stalking them and taking them to uh, taking them home with me, basically, and, and just uh, you know uh, being able to keep them and maintain them uh, privately and uh, without uh, having to uh, without anybody else knowing it or, uh, without without uh, without them ever having to basically be alive again yes like,
1: so uh, so what would that look like then would that look like like torture like sexual assault or like what what all would like that look like in your mind like what you were wanting to do say say you were to successfully yeah. get a woman in your home like what would have happened
0: yeah at the time uh there was i i would say there was definitely a sexual element but there was a it was a cannibalism element It occurred to me to consume it just occurred to me one night and it felt like a natural thing all of a sudden that clicked on. That, that might have been something dormant in me or, that, or, or something possessed me, the idea of cannibalism. So that that was always a, that'd be the whole kind of central theme to it. But like one, like uh, seeing this girl I knew in high school on the train, when I was uh, skipping school school, and she was, I had thought of taking her to an abandoned apartment nearby that I knew you know, basically ending her life and sticking pencils throughout her body like, a, you know, as was a kind of odd art project, I suppose. Uh, but, yeah, like, a you know, again, I also have artistic ideas about this being a, an artist and writer, so they're weird, weird uh, mesh there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one image also that, that sticks with me as far as uh, Yeah, and then, like, cutting up uh, uh, the pictures and in, in, in the... In, uh, Magazines of women cutting them up at the time to exercise, uh, stress, or, uh, or exorcise it, I should say. Um, so, and my uncle found a bunch of pages of those magazines that had been cut up at, at the time when I was 15, 16, and he was wondering why I was doing this. You know, he didn't make too big of a deal of it, but uh, I didn't really get get into it. I didn't get into the, my fantasy, you know, like that. But, uh, it, it, you know, it's funny, it happened to kind of coincide with uh, with when Dahmer was arrested in nineteen ninety one, when I was turning fifteen, and it's like uh, it was a little before Dahmer that this stuff uh, in me started to come alive. But uh, I don't know, just a weird, weird coincidence in, in a way. It's like uh, I had a at the time a distant uh, brother, or, or I don't know how how to even say it. It's so it's so bizarre. You know, I recognize that certainly.
1: Was there, was there like a specific type of woman that you would want to target or, or that in your fantasies that were targeted in your fantasies?
0: I'm not a big fan of uh, blondes myself. I like blonde women. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, I'm not basic, basically blonde white women. I mean, uh, <laughs> for me personally, um, my primary um, attraction, yeah.
1: So was, so was that the main source of, like, fantasies was, like, uh, stalking, you know, kidnapping them or, or forcing them against their will to come back with you and, like, sexually assaulting them and then killing them and eating them? Was that, or was there anything else that, you know, like, uh, went on in your head when it came to, like, other fantasies?
0: I, I had the idea that I didn't, I didn't want to uh, make, make them suffer uh, inordinately, like, uh, in a, you know, excessively any more than they needed to. And want to make them suffer uh you know that, that's why I, I had the idea of uh, you know the whole drugging thing myself and you know which i, I had uh, experimented with on friends later in life but uh, well kind of friends but uh, yeah basically i kind of wanted to make that part as uh, easy as possible in my own way um because it really wasn't about the killing it wasn't so much uh, a, a, a idea of sadism i just wanted to collect them and you know At the time, consume parts of them and keep them uh, that that way. And I was always interested in the trophy idea too. You know, like like heads and mummified heads. Got into shrunken heads later on in life. So yeah, but uh, not. It wasn't. I I didn't want to make anybody uh, suffer. It really excessively. If I I could help. So you.
1: So you said that you practice on your friends. Like later on in life, what what do you mean by that? Did you like did did they allow you like cut them or cut pieces of flesh on the off them and eat them or like what what exactly were you talking about uh,
0: yeah well basically um you know it's uh how, how do i say this well friends that i would have come over i one quasi friend and i had mentioned this on uh the dr phil show there I, I put uh sleep sleeping pills into his drink and it actually worked on him and he fell, fell asleep and when he sleep on the little bed that he was on there i had uh, shackled him to that uh, uh, kind of left him there until he woke up the next day and he had to uh, you know ask me to un- unchain him and things like that and another friend we uh i did that to him but we, we had a ritual thing going where uh, we drank each other's blood we mixed it with uh, each other's uh, uh drinks and we drank each other's blood and kind of bathed it in each other's blood time uh, uh the idea of the uh, old man vampirism concept and uh yeah, I guess that that was a, that's a ritual that does uh, definitely stand out to me. And you know, woke up the next day from that, and I, my place was covered in uh, dried blood, and I had a court date that morning too. So that made it a little more interesting. So I was covered in blood and had to wash it off.
1: Uh, what did what did you have court for? Was it something like? Was it anything violent?
0: Uh, let me think. I think I'm trying to think if that one was for my my ex girlfriend thing, where you know supposedly she, she it, I, it's it's funny the relationship was like three or four months and i was drinking so much during it, i i barely remember i barely remember the relationship i honestly thought but supposedly i i had uh, strangled her and threatened to cut her head off and uh, all this type of thing and uh, so yeah i think uh, i think that that was the one i had a few court dates I, i'm thinking that might have might have been how,
1: uh, how old were you then were you were you still a juvenile then
0: Oh no no this was no this was in, in later in my adult years i think it was in my maybe early 30s time. So, this hmm. was, yeah, later on.
1: so had you had you uh, engaged in any type of criminal activity as a juvenile like whether you acted on any fantasies or not or got even close to doing so
0: yeah yeah i mean as far as that a lot of shoplifting a lot of shoplifting i was usually good with that you have to do it with a partner, you have to have just the right one, because the wrong one will bring you bad luck, you know, and you get caught, that's that's the only time I really got caught if I brought the wrong partner, with, but uh, uh, shoplifting, and there was definitely, uh, by the way, uh, a lot of fire setting, I had a fascination with fire as a little child as well, uh, my cousin and I almost burnt down uh, their little shed they had in their backyard at my uh, grandparents' house there, so uh, my father caught us about to. Set a table on fire, and I got a beating for that. Uh, yeah, which is probably good because we a, burnt ourselves up on that one. But, uh, but yeah, How
1: I mean, were you we, when it came to like animals? Were you were you good with like cats and dogs, or were you ever like mean to them? Or
0: yeah, I, I was I was basically always good to the animals. I mean, playfully, I would uh, you know kind of uh, twirl my cat around in a uh, trash bag or what if whatever you call it, uh, shopping bag. You know, uh, a couple of times one of my cats there, but I wasn't uh, really overall uh, aggressive or torturous towards animals, and, you know, je- jellyfish that, that I used to see in the ocean, I used to uh, try to uh, drop rocks on them when I was younger and things like that, I mean, there, there wasn't anything that I can recall that's uh, overall cruel uh, uh, towards the uh, a- animal life, yeah. but I uh,
1: Have you been diagnosed uh, with any mental illnesses, whether you were a juvenile or in adult years?
0: Ah, well, let's see. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely bipolar and uh, uh, bipolar and I have all kinds of anxiety issues, but it's bipolar unspecified. uh, Leaning way more towards depression because that's what seems to uh, affect me the most. Uh, Probably, I, I mean, it could be, this is just my speculation, uh, doing research to myself, possibly a schizoid, you know, not schizophrenic, but schizoid, uh, you know, avoidant personality, uh, but a borderline, yeah, borderline personality. So those definitely, uh, antisocial traits, they say, that's what, um, yeah, naval psychologist had said, antisocial traits, homicidal and suicidal ideologies. Uh, yeah, those, those are the main, main ones that, that stand out. For me.
1: Have you ever been hospitalized for any of that? Like whether it was being homicidal or suicidal? Well,
0: um, yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of dual diagnosis type of things, uh, I mean, been uh, hospitalized. But it wasn't, I mean, anytime I go to jail or whatever now, especially since Dr. Phil, he always put me closed, to uh, maximum security and black box me, you know? So, um, now that's kind of interesting, but, uh, I mean, like, I, my, my best friend put a steak knife through my hand uh, uh, a while back, and then later on I kind of stabbed him in the throat and missed his uh, carotid by, what are they, a couple of millimeters that I would have been dead. Or, you know, I, I didn't consciously mean to do it, but he uh, got close enough to where I did it, and I, I happened to be holding a knife. So, I mean, I guess I got him back, but I, I really didn't intend to do it, but I did it. And thankfully, he didn't show up to the court date. It's, and it's a wonderful thing when the uh, so-called victim doesn't show up to court. It's uh, like a you know, Christmas morning for a child. It really is a good feeling. So that case is just a mess anyway. But uh, sometimes I, I regret not killing that guy. He turned out to not to be a good person. I mean, he was robbing people off the streets and shit like that. So that, that's where I kind of start to streamline into more being more interested in getting the, the bad guys and anything else now but uh you know like a dexter a dexter type of mindset um, but yeah that's something that came along a little later and kind of evolved over time it's it's something where you know i, I say like again if you need uh, if you do have these types of thoughts you really do need to kind of seek kind of some kind of help help for it which at least i i have and uh, you can't kind of evolve past it or learn to deal with it in a, as healthy a way as possible without having to go kill anybody you know? so that, that's the main thing I, I try to try to say and i don't want that message lost and so i'm seen as a com- complete lunatic you know so it's, it's okay a lot of people want to see say that yeah.
1: right so you had a friendship with arthur Shawcross before he passed away in a nutshell tell me who arthur Shawcross was Followed up with how you struck up a relationship with him.
0: Yeah, well, he's basically a a serial killer in uh, upstate New York. And uh, and uh, let's see, he killed at least 13 people that they know of. He claimed there were more than that, at least 19. And there might have been more over in Vietnam. I don't know the way to confirm any of that, of course. And now he's, he's deceased. But... Yeah, so he was uh, in Rochester, and they finally caught up with him in 1990, and, uh, you know, he claimed uh, there was cannibalism involved with some of these murders and things like that, but he killed uh, at least 11 uh, women who worked as prostitutes in the upstate area there. So, uh, but they gave me a 250-year sentence, passed away in, a, in a 2008, I think, was, I think it was, 2008, but uh, yeah, he's basically one of the, uh, America's uh, cannibal killers, I guess. So uh, yeah, I, I ended up uh, talking to him in 2000. I was selling some of his artwork on eBay that I had uh, ended up with, and not through, uh, not directly through him, but through someone I had made a trade with or something on on, on eBay. And uh, so eventually, he started writing to me. He got my information, and we struck a deal to do. Uh, work together and, you know, split the proceeds, you know, 50-50 and that carried on for a while and then we just continued to talk to where he became like a ever-present voice in, in my own weird world for several years there where uh, I, I was having, having my own uh, strange days and nights uh, drinking, collecting shrunken heads and, and, you know, handcuffing friends and drugging them, and, uh, drinking, you know. Uh, you know, a couple of those friends, obviously, I never heard from them again, for obvious reasons, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, so that's, uh, uh what, yeah, I'll answer anything else you, you know about that.
1: Yeah, so, so, so obviously, like, your, your common denominator with Arthur Shawcross was the cannibalism, right, that you had the the fantasies and thoughts of, like, so, obviously, the book that you wrote, you opened up to him about your fantasies and everything, like, can you talk about what it was like when you told him about that and like what his reaction was, and that's and how you guys became closer after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it definitely kind of drew us closer. And, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily encourage me, but he didn't necessarily discourage me. So, one thing he would say was, you know, be good or be good at it, you know. So, um, yeah, we just carried on about that and we talk about cannibalism in a uh, pretty uh, good humor. I suppose one could go. So yeah, we talk about that type of thing a lot,
1: actually. So, so would it be safe to say that Arthur Shawcross was mentoring you to um, commit the the perfect murder?
0: Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know really. It, it's so so difficult in like a perfect murder these days, especially. I don't know. It's not like the old days. It's not like the seventies and eighties. 90s. So, i don't i mean people are still getting away with serial killing There, there, you know active serial killers out there right now I'm looking at a list of them earlier today
1: so did but, he give you any like tips or like any like clues on on not getting arrested or you know choose this victim pool or you know this or this area or this like did he have any suggestions or tips on how to like help you act out your fantasies
0: just, I, I mean, basically, I'm just on to talk about what saws to use to dismember them. Um, you know, talk, talking about all the different types of saws but, you know. Uh, that's why, uh, I, I was referring to myself as Sawman for a while, and he picked up on that like like that idea, like that, uh, that moniker, uh, that handle, you know, Sawman. That was going to be the original title for, for my book, and uh, but the publisher actually chose the title, which is probably better ultimately, because, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, so that kind of answers your question.
1: So obviously you haven't killed anybody and cannibalized anybody yet. So what stopped you from going through with that, with your fantasies, you know, about fantasizing? You know, killing somebody, eating them. You know, what stopped you from from doing so? Is it like the fear of dying in prison, or the fear of dying by police, or the fear of suicide? Like, what's what what's been the common denominator?
0: I, I one, I still have a, a, a some a shred of empathy at least, so that's one thing. But also, there is I do believe in karma, or call it what, what goes around comes around, whatever. And oh, that, uh, you know, so I, I do believe in that. I feel prison is definitely part of that. I'd like to avoid prison, and whatever comes after this life, you know, who, who knows? If they could be real, real, through literal hell to pay, and so that would be nice to avoid. So, yeah, I'm trying to avoid all those uh, types of punishments, if possible. But, yeah, I, I do have some empathy still left in me. I'm not a completely lost uh, psychopath or, or sociopath at this point, anyhow. You know,
1: so what do you do to control your thoughts, urges, fantasies, and everyday concerns, especially when, say, you're having a bad day and, yeah. say, so you want to feel like, whether you're suicidal or homicidal?
0: Yeah, and I am still both, for sure. I mean, it's a like I say, I, it never does completely go away, even if I think it does. It's just kind of dormant for a while, but it'll reemerge at unexpected times. But, you know... the I do is I just I kind of have to isolate myself for a bit. Um, you know being a writer, I, I at least used to try to channel it into my writing but I've had a, a slump lately. so I, I haven't been writing. I, just, I I just try to get away and meditate in my own way, listen to music, um, or whatever and I, uh, well, or as they say in you know recovery, you know you can have to play the tape through how, how it's going to play out. So that helps as well. So I I incorporate recovery uh, things too, because I am someone uh, in recovery and constantly in recovery and relapse and all that whole nightmare as well. So, uh, yeah, but if if that kind of answers your question.
1: So why don't we round this interview out with having you talk about your book, you know, what the purpose of it is, you know, where people can find it, so on and so forth.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, I'll show you a picture. I have it over here, uh, shot cross letters. See that? Yeah, and uh, that, that can be found on Amazon. And uh, yeah, I mean the, the purpose of it, at least partly, is to encourage others to seek help if they do have these types of thoughts, like like I talked about. So that 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 is it's becoming more and more of a central idea to me, you know. So um, but also it's meant to be kind of satirical too. It's not meant to be taken too seriously. Uh, you know, it's, I, I want people to be able to have fun reading if they get the book but uh it is from um, in, in my way uh, a first-hand perspective of somebody who certainly uh at least could have become uh something like a Shawcross or, or a Dahmer and who knows I mean Ed Dean didn't start murdering until he's in his 50s I'm, I'm still in my 40s so you know I still have some time you never know uh, <laughs> but uh yeah and, and, and so yeah but definitely Shawcross letters can be found on Amazon and anyone has any consistent. And in, in incidentally, uh, just as kind of a funny thing, I was uh, voted on the top the, the ten people of all time who uh, ever quote unquote owned dark and billy to look that up on YouTube number eight on that uh, after he was uh, uh totally kind of lost being out of the which which I found to be the case while I was there. Truth. I'm, un- un- I'm
1: that was my interview with John Ferry. For updates in all social media and all podcast platform links, head on over to UnforbiddenTruthPodcast.com. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one.